you're traveling through another dimension. It is a dimension of mind-altering, game-tying goals in the dying seconds. It is a dimension of esprit de corps, a dimension of joie de vivre, a dimension of hope. It is an area we call Handkerchief Dynasty. Thought I would check in here to... Uh, Two games in a row, two nights in a row, two wins in a row. I mean, geez louise. I don't know about you, but that was a game where, you know, at a certain point, you had to kind of just like reach out to your friends and neighbors nearby just to let them know you were okay, you know, that all the screaming was nothing to be concerned about. You yelling out, oh my god, at the top of your lungs. Man, oh man. Where do you even start? What a game. You know, I thought the depth players, uh, like the newly formed uh, AHL line, or what, what are we calling them? I mean, the Bakersfield line. You know, they uh, kind of knew it was going to be a good game. Because, I mean, the main concern, of course, is all the forward injuries, uh, all the concerns at forward depth right now, very legitimate. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, maybe we're going to roll with basically like two fourth lines and one of them is like what our fourth line would normally be and the other one is going to be what the fourth line in the uh on the ahl team would be you know with your uh, malone holloway hamblin trifecta to be perfectly honest, every time that line was on the ice, they seemed to be really battling, and they seemed to be, seemed to be playing with a ton of gusto and a ton of passion. And to be honest, like as hard as it is to draft and acquire players of uh, you know the ilk that we have, such as Connor McDavid and Drysaddle, etc., it's also hard to find third and fourth liners that are just going to play with a ton of fucking moxie and gusto as though their lives depended on it, even if they only get 10 minutes a game. It's actually hard to find, or at least it has been for the Oilers. And that line is, uh, I, I don't know, I, I said it actually on the last podcast, like there's the, this is a good opportunity for some guys to showcase themselves. And starting off, I think I'm going to point out that that line of uh, James over my Hamblin, uh, Dylan Hollywood Holloway, and uh, Brad Sam Malone, so I call him Brad, quote-unquote, Sam Malone. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. I mean, I know Brad Malone's name now. You know, I think uh, really like the first two seasons of Cheers were so good that I'm basically just cheering for Brad Malone on that alone. I know it's a weird thing to say. I know it makes me possibly strange to make the connection, but there, I mean, in terms of the Malones out there, is there another Malone besides Sam Malone and Brad Malone right now? I don't really, I don't really think there's another one. If Shelley Long shows up, things could get really, really interesting. I was also posting, I mean, this is always such a, a lightning rod in the Oilers, Oilogosphere the greater Oilers universe. Um, but Jesse, man, you know, Jesse's been uh, looking pretty good the last few games. I'm really, I've really started to appreciate the fact, and it's weird how you kind of don't think about things because you just kind of take them for granted and you're focused on something else. 
like with him, you know, you're thinking like, okay, when is he going to start to finish and start to put up like tons of points? And at this point, you know, I'm fine if Pugliarvi turns out to be like max, like a 40, maybe one year he puts up 50 at some point. Um, but even if he's like a 35 point guy on a third line, I'm fine with that. I, I totally think me and Jesse's girl are totally going to be okay with that if we can somehow work that out long term. I mean, the thing about Jesse is he kind of ticks so many boxes that you kind of it's kind of impossible to not want him on your team because a he's a really good passer. He's he's a, a really really strong passer. I don't know if I'd say elite, but he's like up there. I don't know. I've liked his play as of late, and it just makes me want to see him bringing his passing ability, his skating ability his incredibly off-the-charts physical play in general. He's just so big and so mobile that he just creates so much chaos out there. Like, if you don't want that player on your team playing on your third line, maybe doing spot duty in the top six when needed, um, but just doing what he does on a regular basis, like, I don't know, maybe... So if, if somehow Yessi and his agent can accept that he's that that's a good role for him in the NHL, maybe you, maybe you sign him for a little bit less. Maybe he's a two point five. Maybe he's a two point two five. I mean, I think that would make a that would make a big difference too. If the next deal is like a couple of years for you know third line money, because I'll be perfectly frank, I love I've listed all the things I love about Yessi's game, but I don't think he's a shooter. And just got to be perfectly, like, frank and honest and upfront about, you know, the fact that being a shooter, you know, someone who's got a good shot, quote-unquote, as they say in the game of hockey, it's, it's, a kind of, it's, it's not a common thing. It's kind of a rare thing. Like, who, who do we have on the team right now? You know, obviously Connor, Dry, both have great shots. They're both obviously... It's ridiculous to even have to list them because it's so obvious. Then... You know, who's got the finish? I think, you know, first first name that comes to mind in the forward core is uh, Mr. Zach Hyman, obviously. He's got not only a finish, but a little but quite a bit of battle. So he's kinda of, he's kinda of got these uh, these two halves of the coin. And then unfortunately he's out for us right now, but Evander Kane, obviously a shooter, obviously a finisher. And remember, like this is a shooter's league. Like if you if you are in the NHL and you're not you don't have a shooter's shot. You just need to accept it. Don't turn your back on me. Let's get one thing straight. This is Shooter's tour. I've worked hard my whole life, paid my dues, and now it's Shooter's turn. And Shooter's not about to let his reign at the top be spoiled. I mean, I love Yessi, but I don't think he has the most amazing shot. I'm just going to put that out there. He's got all these amazing other attributes. He's, got, he's amazing at passing, amazing at skating, amazing physical play. Um, you know, I think he's got a good attitude. He's got a certain amount of joie de vivre. Um, and I really like that. I'm down with it. I mean, when you're talking about this game and, uh, you know, last few games, really, the name that uh, pops out right at the top of the heap is obviously, uh, you know, a certain man. A certain man we know as uh, the old man. Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. Old man, look at my life. 
Evan Bouchard, ladies and gentlemen. Is he 24? Once he's 24, that's really going to be that's really going to be significant. He's 23 right now, ladies and gentlemen. So Evan, like mark it on the calendars. Evan Bouchard's year when he's 24 and there's so much more is going to be of great significance. Mark that down. Mark that down. I mean, you know, speaking of, uh, I already talked about them a little bit, but I, I, I think it's important to point out, like, James over my Hamblin, he's a hard guy not to cheer for right now. I mean, yeah, I mean, he plays, like, almost 10 minutes. I, I thought he was battling like hell along with his line mates, Mr. Brad, quote-unquote, Sam Malone, and uh, Dylan Holloway, Mr. Hollywood. <sighs> Fuck. I, it's just, I, I can't not be impressed with uh, a game like that from Mr. Ham. I mean, we know who James Hamblin is now, definitely. And I think it's actually really, really good. It, it, there's, a, there's this huge silver lining to the injuries at forward, is it's forced the organization to just throw some of their pieces into the fire. And one thing that's very true about hockey and prospects matriculating also bubble players or players that are that are battling in the AHL to make the roster matriculating sometimes uh, a, a chance is kind of the most important thing and it's entirely possible knock on wood that uh, some players that were hitherto not really considered to be fourth line options like your Malones like your James over my Hamblins uh, you know those guys could make an impression in the next couple of weeks here with, with uh, not only big guys out like Kane and Yams, but, uh, you know, uh, like third-line guys like Ryan McLeod out. So brutal that McLeod got injured after that three-goal game. So brutal. I kind of like Hollywood on that line. I think it's a, it's kind of like it's kind of like providing him with uh, his natural habitat, you know, because he's played with these guys a little bit before. So they have, like, a certain a certain amount of moxie. I People are still talking as though Holloway is guaranteed to go down at some point, but I, I'm going to predict right now for you ladies and gentlemen, fans of Handkerchief Dynasty, that Hollywood stays up. Stays up all year, you know? Because uh, he loves L.A. And we love, uh, we love L.A. too. Roll down the window, put down the top. Crank up the beach, boys, baby. Don't let the music stop. We go ride it till we just can't ride it no more. Yeah, Hollywood's here to stay, guys. Like, let's just, just let's just accept right now that having if 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 it worse, we have Hollywood on the fourth line. At least if he's getting fucking eight to ten minutes, that's probably as good or better, and probably way better than a lot of other options we have. Because the the key component of that bottom six, who are not playing with Connor and Dry, is they have to play with fire. I want to see fire, Corbin Dallas. You know, sometimes I've been thinking this year, I have no fire. I got no fire, Corbin. Do you have fire? Fuck it. And even with, like, Fogel out, there's an incredible, incredible amount of opportunity for guys. 
You know, someone who only got six minutes tonight, which I'm, I'm kind of really sad to see that when I look at the game summary. It's really sad and disappointing that he only got six minutes. Hopefully it's not for any kind of, like, serious reason. I mean, I did I did hear reports that Jay Woodcroft had met with uh, Clem Costin to discuss his ice time, and he said, well, you know, we're going to try and make sure that you at least get six minutes. Uh, let's go to that tape. How about six? <laughs> six is good. You got a problem with sex? <laughs> what? What? I mean, yeah, six is not good. But at the same time, I've got a lot of confidence actually in that player. Just because like in his short time on the team, he's done nothing other than battle and win battles and use his body to protect the puck and make plays on net. And he seems to me like he's either a young and developing player who could potentially break through and be fucking amazing, or if he's not that, he's at least a motherfucker that would look really good on a third line for a long time. Like, I'm serious. Right now, I feel like, in, in a lot of ways, like, Clean Shady's back. Like, tell a friend. Like, uh, the real Clean Shady... <laughs> I mean, unless Samarukov turns out to be, like, a god... Unless he literally becomes the hellish, you know, force of nature presaged by Prokofiev. Uh, I kind of like the Costin trade right now. The Costin acquisition, I guess you could call it. Even though he played six minutes, I hope he's not injured or anything. That's uh, not a little, not not a lot. But like, you know, it'll take a little while. I mean, he's there's we have we have a lot of guys right now where it's like, okay, well, Warren Vogel, Clem Costin, you know. Maybe some other guys that are just one tier below that or two tiers below that trying to establish their way. Like, it's a really tricky thing to kind of have the right amount of patience for players. Because obviously, like, at a certain point, patience can run out with guys. But I mean, what are, like, list the number of teams that have been burned because they had too little patience with young developing players that turned out to be good elsewhere. Or, or figured it out or turned it around or had this kind of... Because there's these plateaus to player development where all of a sudden a player puts a kind of final piece in the keystone of the archway and it all comes together and they go on like a tear. We've seen it happen with uh, Yamamoto. I think I honestly think we were, we were potentially starting to see it happen with uh, Ryan McLeod of the Clan McLeod um, and maybe even starting to see it with a, a guy like Warren Fogle. But if I was the Oilers GM, like, I would not be giving up on any of these guys. I'd be hanging on to them for dear life. I would be holding on to Yessi. I'd be holding on to Costin. I'd be holding on to Fogues, Yams. Like, go down the list of a lot of these guys on the team right now. I think it'd be crazy to not give them uh, a little more time to kind of put it uh, put it together, put on the finishing touches, those oh-so-important final pieces. We've got so many guys on the team like that right now. Um and I kind of one thing that does kind of keep me up at night is wondering if uh, the GM is going to fuck it up and uh, let one of them go too early. Like you know, people talk about trading defensemen too, and uh, I don't know. The last time I checked, as soon as you don't have enough defensemen, like as soon as you're desperate for a defenseman in the NHL, you're kind of completely fucked. And I feel like any any trade where we send a defenseman away, like let's say for sake of argument, we trade right Barry. Barry, by the way, had a great game. I love Barry. Barry's awesome. Fuck the haters. Like, is he Chris Pronger on defense? No. But he does a hell of, hell of a lot of good shit out there all the time. And I, I think he's he obviously a particularly good game. He had a goal, etc. He was holding the puck in the, in the zone. 
like crazy. Like, fuck, man, though. Like, the, the Oilers were fighting the puck like a fucking Street Fighter 2 game tonight. I mean, both teams were. Jay Woodcroft uh, <laughs> put it really well in his postgame. What did he say? He said there was a muddy track tonight. You know, both teams were mucking through the slop. It was like the ice was like throwing fucking Hadoukens out there, man. Like, it was just like the, the players were trying to play. They were trying to play hockey. And the puck, they were just fighting the puck because the ice was so kind of garbage. Which is uh, never something I'm too too fond of. Let's see here. What are the other subjects we wanted to uh, touch on? By the way, you can uh, follow us at HangerTiftDY1 on uh, Twitter. For as long as Twitter shall exist, may the great sentient cloud provide for us. Uh, Leon. I mean, Leon had the amazing overtime winner, obviously. Um, I, I have a hunch that just really... I have a very strong hunch that Leon Dreisaitl's playing through something right now. And, uh, you know, as with any players of their ilk who kind of drop off points production-wise for a short burst, you know, become like a top 30 player in, instead of a top two for a week... People say, oh, they got to do more. I don't know. I don't know if I really want to say they have to do more when I think at least Leon is definitely playing through something. So let's just lay off Leon. Let's let him do his thing. I mean, he obviously had the amazing OT winner tonight. That's the thing. He's at 80%. He's still better than, let's say in theory, he's playing through something. Let's say in theory, I'm right. And he's at 80%. At 80%, he's still better than 95% of players in the world. So... Yeah, I mean, slay off him. Lay off Leon. That's just all, all I want to say about that. Um, Connor the God, you know, what an amazing breakaway goal. It was just so beautiful. I mean, he had a, he had a great game in general. He's Connor. Um, I think his points production has slowed down slightly by his insane standards. And some people might have said he needed to uh, do more, but, like, whatever, man. We're just so lucky to have him. Like, having Connor and Dry on your team is, like, like let's say you were... Uh, a heterosexual female or a gay male and you were in the market for a boyfriend and then David Beckham became your boyfriend for some reason. That's what it's like having these guys on our team, guys. Like, we, we should not be casting aspersions really under any circumstances. A goal and two assists, you know, Connor being Connor, he's, uh, he's the best. What else can you say? He's, like, literally a giant among men. Uh, I think it's also important at this point right now to call out... Uh, Mr. Jack Michaels, I mean, we can all say Jack is fucking killing it on the calls right now. Like, they're, we all we all know his work has been really uh, exemplary up to this point. But if you don't think Jack Michaels is, like, even pushing the bar even higher all the time, I mean, it helps to have these kind of crazy comeback-from-behind wins <laughs> the last two games. Uh, it, gives, it gives the whole situation a lot of juice, a lot of uh, gravitas. Um... But man, he is slaying it right now. He is slaying it. What a crazy game. I mean, you had the shorthanded uh, situation after the failed challenge to end it. Jeez Louise. That was wild. The, the drama. I mean, definitely, definitely, like, can't really disagree with the challenge. It was, it really could have gone either way. It was, it was close enough to legitimately, to legitimately challenge. So, um,. You know, but then we didn't get it, and then and then <laughs> Florida, who are apparently not playing amazing as of late, and have a few injuries of their own. They're dealing with Barkov most most notable, Barkov most notably, um, just like one of the most egregious and craziest like too many men penalties I've ever seen. Like none of the six players on the ice had any idea 
that there were too many of them on there. I kind of I love the too many men penalty. I I, I don't I don't want to call it the too many players penalty in a weird way, just because I like the phrase too many men. I think it should be applied to more aspects of life. I think in general, we should be able to say in all kinds of social situations, there's too many men right now. One of them has to go and sit somewhere else for a while. If it's like two, four minutes, maybe five, the most. Okay, too many men. Because what other in what other context do you really get to even like use or conceive that phrase? It would kind of be a shame. Um, also of note to me is the continued weird officiating. I mean, have we just forgotten how no touch icing works? Is that what you're telling me? Like, I don't know why they're not calling that the same way they've been calling it for years now. It seems really weird to me. It kind of scares me. It's a rule that exists for a very good reason, uh, to protect the players and, uh, it's not good for the players to not really have clarity on uh, that shit and how it's called right now. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, other than that, Evan Bouchard, uh, assisted by Conor McDavid with a beautiful play. Thank you very much. I think it was uh, an exemplary finish, and I really, uh, really enjoyed it. So uh, our intro tonight was from Lisa Loheed. The name of that song is Run With Us. And our outro is going to be from Hayasa Yukako. The name of this song is Last Year in Marion Bad. All right, I think we can leave it there. Um, As always, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll catch up with you real soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.